I think every uh, announcement transition should be, um, should be done where a middle schooler comes and tackles that person out of the scene and they go on to the next one. I, uh, yeah. Um, our ushers are, are, are coming forward, taking up offering. If you have offering that you would like to give to the ministries that, uh, and, and the things that take place here, feel free to drop that in there. There's also a basket outside. And if you uh, uh, want to, you can sign up online and give online like we do so that uh, I never have to remember uh, cash in my pocket or a check, which I don't know how to fill one of those out now anyway. Who uses checks? I have no clue. Um, signing up online is super easy. You can go on the website for that. So um, as you can tell... Maybe you can tell that this is not Brandon standing here. Um, he called in the pinch hitter, um, reached deep in the bullpen, uh, I think maybe third or fourth uh, deep in the bullpen to figure out who can I preach, who can preach for me. Um, and, and so you guys got me. Um, all one of you. That's, I was actually prepared to just to stay and be quiet and just to see how long it would take to get an applause. So thank you, whoever started that over. It means a lot to me. Uh, Brandon's actually uh, down at one of our sister churches, uh, Nelson Christian, uh, speaking um, there as well. So that's, uh, that's really cool to be able to see the collaboration of churches together. But, but Brandon asked me to speak, and he said, hey, we're, we're going through our series of faith in the ring and, and, and speaking on how to fight against things when it comes to our faith, how to grow our faith and push back against some of the the negative or evil things in our world, and, and we're on week two. Uh, if, you, uh, if you have not joined a life group, if you've not signed up, if you don't have one of these awesome books that go through and process what is taught up here every Sunday, this is the greatest way of doing that and getting into a life group to go through this with someone else. There's a stack of them laid out on the table in the foyer. Grab one as you go, um, and then if you're not in a life group, stop by the, life, uh, stop by the Next Steps area and say, how do I join this group of people that's just processing what we learn on Sunday morning and living life together. It's going to be your greatest way of continuing to grow uh, as a disciple. Um, the, uh, I'm really excited about this, this passage. It's one of, the, one of the passages that has been formative to my family's life. Uh, it's been one that God has spoken in multiple places to me and to my family, and it's caused us great movement and progress and even some pain and growth, growth pain uh, as well in our faith. And I'm just really excited to share that with you. Um, but, but Brandon asked me to preach on like an extended version of that, <laughs> of that verse. And I looked at it and went, wait a minute, I've never preached that with this. Can, can I just go back down to here? Can I preach this one? He's, no, he's, you have to preach it all. So uh, that's going to be exciting because this is brand new and I, I'm really excited to share with you what God has even revealed to me and grown me already the past couple of weeks of getting prepared for this. So let's pray and let's, let's dive into scripture together. Father, thank you so much just for allowing us to be here. Thank you for looking down upon us as your children the, and looking upon us uh, with, with, with pride and excitement that, that, that we are your kids. Uh, Father, we know what we have brought in these doors. We know the, the things that we've kind of stuck in a bag and walked in with and the, the hurts and the hangups and the habits that we've got. Father, we know we've walked into a very safe place to, to encounter a very dangerous message. Uh, but God, we, um, we're thankful that you would love us enough to continue to allow us to grow and to progress um, toward you and a faith that is deeper, a faith that wants to fight that wants, to, that wants to be chiseled, that wants to grow, 
so they'll be able to last three rounds with the evil one and come out victorious. So guide us today, Father. Let my words just kind of sink back down and let your words come forth and, and speak to the ears that are in this room and that are joining us online as our online family. And so we ask all that in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, I, uh, this, this passage in James, if you've got your Bibles, we'll, we'll turn over and read it here pretty quickly. It's in James chapter 1. This is, this is a scripture that I had ran away from for quite some time and, and now kind of run toward uh, because of what God has done, what, what he has revealed, what he has spoken to myself and my family. But I'll be honest with you, there's a, there's a part of this scripture that I struggle to see the connection. I struggle to go, God, how do you want us to do this and this at the same time? How does this keep me from doing this? Help me out. I don't understand. Like even in my notes preparing for this, I even wrote, I don't see the connection. <laughs> I, I, I tend to type whatever or write or oftentimes say whatever comes through my mind. And then I realize, oh, there's the line. I shouldn't have crossed that one. My bad. And ask for a hug and forgiveness. But I even, I even wrote in my notes, I don't, I, I don't see the connection. How does this relate to this? So read with me. We're going to read in James chapter 1, verses 19 uh, down to 27. And I've got the... I've got the NIV, and I believe it's going to be on the screen for you as well. It goes like this. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. And then finally, in verse 27, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, that verse 27, that was the game changer. Like, that was it. Religion. That our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, keeping oneself pure from the world and looking after the widows and the orphans in their distress. I, I ran from that. I, I, I did not want any of that. What, what, God, why? What, what in the world? Some years ago, we, um, I was on staff at a church in, in Wisconsin or lower Canada, as I like to refer to it. And I, we started going through a series on, on fostering. The lead minister that was there was really big on fostering, massive. Wanted to really get behind in the community. And so here I am trying to lead Bible studies with teens and even adults and teaching about fostering. And I'm wrestling with this verse going, no, nah, I, don't, 
I don't, I have a hard time looking out for myself. Why should I look out for the widows and the orphans in their distress? God, I, why, would you, why would you want me to do it? I mean, that even goes back to when I struggled to even, uh, when, when, when my wife said, hey, we need to have a family. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a good dad. Why would I want to bring offspring into this world? I can barely manage myself, let alone, let alone these things behind me. Like, no. So we're going through and we're teaching and we're studying the scripture as a church and we're studying James and the surrounding scriptures in the Old Testament about what it is to live a, a, a faith that, that's active and to care for those um, that are downtrodden. Or, or as, a, as my good friend Ben Wood likes to say it, we're, we were learning to look out for the left out. It took me about a year, year and a half, until God finally chased me down and said, no, you don't understand. This isn't something for you to read and just go to the next chapter. This is something that I've, I've dictated that you're going to do. We were actually sitting in uh, church on, a, <clears throat> on vacation uh, in South Carolina years and years and years ago. Um, it, was actually, it was actually roughly about nine years ago now. And I go, we go into church, we're sitting there, we don't know anybody, it's a little small white country church, it's picturesque, what you would think of a, of a small rural country church would look like. Walk in the doors, sit down, and what did the preacher get up and preach on? That. And I just remember going, God, are you serious? I can't even go on vacation and get away from you? <laughs> It was the same thing. It was the same verse. It was the same statistics on fostering and adopting. It was the same quotes. It was the same interviews. It was the same everything. There's no way that that was not God-ordained. And I, I had pushed back against Heather for a long time. Heather, I don't. Why? I, we've got two kids on my own to struggle with. Why in the world would we want to, want to bring other kids into our life? I like them when they're older, self-sufficient, wipe their own butts, right? I, this thing, mm -mm, no. So I remember sitting there, and I just kind of nudged her. And I was like, hey, um, I quit. He wins. Let's go sign up to be foster parents. And it just, you know, the elation, the tears that come over her face. And it's like, why are these new people crying in the back of the church, you know? It was this moment that I realized that, that, that we are called to, like Ben says, to look out for the left out. And that we're called to live out this active faith as one that looks after the widows and the orphans in their distress and keeping ourselves pure from the world. But it's this other part that James puts in that I didn't really wrestle with till now. Look at, look at verse 20, or these, the, 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 these two verses. I think they go side by side on the screen. This is what throws me off. This is what, when I look at these two verses next to each other and I see these words, I'm like, how does, how does this work? Do we got verse 20? In verse 27, if you got your Bibles, you can look it up. So this is verse 20 and verse 27. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, but religion that our God and Father accepts is pure and faultless. How does anger keep me from pleasing God by living a moral life and taking care of those who need taken care of? Do you want to catch that, what James is writing? How does anger keep me from living a pure and faultless life that God calls about? How does anger keep me from doing what God has called me to do? 
that's when the moment when I went, I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't understand how anger, why is this something that I feel, keep me from pleasing God by reading my Bible and, and coming to church and telling my neighbors about him and caring for those that are in need and donating to the poor. How does anger keep me from, how does anger keep that from being acceptable? God, I don't understand. My faith is not to a point that connects how anger keeps me from, from doing that. I had no clue. But this is what's exciting. This is exciting because it is connected. It is intimately connected. Without fighting the fight against anger, we cannot live out the life that God's called us to live out. We can't go forward as a Christian, as a believer, and expect that we're doing what God has called us to do unless, unless we address the anger that's in our life, that's around us, that's in us, that comes forth from us, that's handed down to our kids from us. Unless, unless we fight the fight against anger, unless we have a faith that wants to fight and swing, swing deadly blows against the anger that we have in our life, we cannot, we cannot put a fragrant offering in front of God and say, is this acceptable? Because he says, no, it's not. This is James, the brother of Jesus. This is the James that was knocking on the door with his mom that we're going to pull Jesus out and go, be quiet, you're causing a ruckus. This is the James that his faith even grew because of his brother to go, ah, I get it now. I get it. But unless we fight against that anger, we're not going to be able to do it. Let's look at a few. I'm going to look at a few words. You know, we, we get this, this idea of this word righteousness in there. And I grew up being taught that righteousness is what, is what God does, that God is righteous, that he is, that he is faultless, that, 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 that he is holy, that, that he is uh, sinless, that he is in a right state of being. He is, he's in a moral standing. He is, he's, he's right side up. He's, he's pure. But there's a, there's a part in this verse, these verses that say that this is on, this is on us. Verse 20 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This righteousness that we would offer for God to accept or not, to be desirable to him or not. A part of this righteousness is, 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 is on our part. And see, I would kind of, kind of missed all that because I, I always thought that that's what God's job was to do, is to make us right and pure and holy again. When he comes back down and he, when he sends his son for the second time and, he, and the judgment happens and then we all arise a new, uh, a new bodies, new, new being, new, new everything, and that we are sinless, that we can finally walk with God, finally be in the presence of God. Genesis starts and shows that this world was created. How we were made was created for us to live with God forever. And then sin came into the world, and God had to step out of it out of love because he's so pure, he would eradicate sin with his presence. So one day we get to be back with him. But James uses a slightly different word. He uses a word that's a both-and word here for righteousness. We use, he uses a word that has, that has two. It describes a, a both-and state of being. It refers to a moral righteousness and one that is toward legal justice, to be able to be right 
to having a right standing to be in the black. You, you have to have a reign on, this, this, on, on your morality, your ethics, your choices, the things that you believe inside, the things that you think about, words that you say, as well as the actions you do on the legal side of it, the justice side of it. Like this is the word that James, that James uses. This is an, an, an inward righteousness and, and an outward righteousness. You know, uh, Jesus lashes out in Matthew uh, uh, to these Pharisees uh, because they were, he called, them, he called them whitewashed tombs. If you've read uh, King James or the NIV, he says, you whitewashed tombs. And, I, and he got onto them because of their outward righteousness. This, this with the, the show that they put on. And I love the way the message puts it. It says, you're hopeless. You religion scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers are bright, but six feet down, it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. People like you, people look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. See, this is why James uses that word compassion, because it uses the word righteousness as a, as a, as a both and, as a dual thing. It's, it's the things that, we, that, that, are, that, are, that are inside and the things that are outside as well. It's the same thing that Jesus is pushing back against the Pharisees. You do everything right on the outside, but inside you're, you're garbage, you're trash. It's, it's death and decay. So that's why James ends the section by explaining you know, to all of us what, what, what living out a righteous life looks like. It's to take care of the widows and the orphans and to keep oneself pure from the world. Now, the widows and the orphans can be taken literally and figuratively as well. Widows and the orphans in those days had um, legal uh, uh, parameters set forth to take care of them. There were things that were in society. There were, there were rules, obligations, and legal bounds that would provide for these two groups of people because they're the most helpless. They have no one to take care of them. If, if, if you're a widow and, and your husband passed, legally, your husband's next of kin, ideally his brother, was required to take you into, and care for you. And then if, if she outlives him, it, it goes down the line, and it goes down the line, and it goes down the line, and I, I don't know, maybe you end up with Cousin Eddie after a while if you really live a long time. Um, at, least you're, <laughs> at least you're taken care of, I guess. Maybe in the motorhome. I don't know. We'll see. But the orphans were the same way. Uh, there, were, there, were, there were legal laws and there were understandings and rules that protected them from just being cast out on the street, whether that was to being brought into a home uh, as an individual or as a family or a group or, or taken in by a teacher um, to, be, to be taught until they're about 14 and then sent back out on their own. There were, there were, there were legal matters in place to care for these two groups of people. But that's great, but how does anger fit into all this? James, how does anger fit into me donating to the, the foster organizations? How does anger fit into me becoming a foster parent? How does anger fit into me you know, donating uh, to a homeless shelter? How does anger fit into me being a part of the CR and helping out with any, all the needs of that ministry. God, I thought my, what I'm doing, I'm giving back. I'm laying this back on the altar that, that this is something beautiful to you. How does, 
How does anger inside of me make you not like that? It's when we look at what anger actually is and we come with um, a sober understanding of the depth of what God is calling us to as we see that they are married. They're not just two ships sailing in the middle of the night just passing close by. No, they, are, they are deeply connected. And, and that anger will absolutely, if, not, if left unchecked, if not called in the ring and fought against, will ruin anything that we can give back or ruin any life that we can live that looks like we are a Jesus follower. <clears throat> See, James uses the word anger, and this, this word anger is actually, it's actually the word for wrath. Uh, it's better translated as, as wrath or rage, uh, uh, an idea of uh, you know, pure destruction or, or carnage. And Proverbs, I like, the way, uh, I like the way the writer of Proverbs puts it in, in, verse four, in chapter 14, verse 29. It says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows foolishness. A hot temper. See, the word that's used, even back into Exodus, and we'll get there in a minute, the word picture that is used here when it comes to the word anger is red in the face. It's actually where we get the term red face, red, red in the face. It's red in the nose area. It's also where you, you see uh, terms like blushing. It's the same thing. It's the same phenomenon that happens. You're there, your veins in your face actually widen and accept more blood to, 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 to allow more oxygen to flow, to allow adrenaline, adrenaline to flow. And, and when these veins open up, there's the chemicals that are, are, are triggered to release in the brain that are to fuel this. This is where we get the term red in the face because it's, it's literally visible. I'm, I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm uncomfortable I'm, I'm, un, I'm embarrassed. We, we see red. You've been there. I've been there. There's a moment of just blindness. All I, all I saw was red. <clears throat> Heather and I were dating in college, and we were playing intramural, vo- intramural volleyball. It's like pickup volleyball games. It's, it's not sanctioned. Um, you know, it's a school sport. It's signed up to be a volleyball club. I have no clue to play, how to play volleyball. I got to be honest with you. None. Zero. <clears throat> I haven't played volleyball since then because it's just not my sport. Like figure skating is not my sport. <laughs> I am built like a lineman on a football team. That's it. That's the only. <laughs> this is what you get. He's not very pretty, but he can block a guy from coming through the hole. It, it, it's, 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 it's all you got. So my wife then wants to play, or you know, this, this girl that I really liked, uh, my girlfriend wanted to play volleyball. <laughs> He's five foot three, blonde headed. You know, I'm, heck yeah, I'm playing volleyball. I'm pretty good at it actually. I, can I be on your team? I, I want to be on your team. You'd be amazed how quick I signed up to play volleyball. We're playing volleyball, and there was um, one of the basketball players for the school. Was, was, was playing on the other team. He was on the same rotation at the net that my wife was. So if he played volleyball, you actually rotate spots in like a circle, and you're at the back, and then you go to the front by the net. And You're always with the person you rotate with. Whether if they're in the back, you're in the back on the, on the, other, on the other team. If you're at the net, they're at, they're at the net. And you're always with this person. Well, here's this five foot three 
you know, girl, and here's this, you know, six foot five basketball player, and they're at the same rotation on the net, and he thinks it's really funny that when he's, when he's lobbed the ball to spike it on her, I didn't think it was that funny. <clears throat> and I, I got a little hot, I gotta admit, I got a little hot. And about the third time it was, the ball got spiked on her, um, I walked up to the net, and I, I politely and calmly told the guy, I said, you do it another time, I'll come across this net and I'll kill you. <laughs> he laughed, everyone laughed, I didn't laugh. <laughs> I back up to my spot in the back, we're all playing, next couple minutes go by, next thing you know, wham, spikes around her, bounces off her head. <clears throat> I'm a man of integrity, <laughs> okay? I'm a man of my word. So I proceeded to walk up toward the net, under the net. Next thing you know, Heather's beside me, and other guy's beside me, and the basketball player's headed out of the gym. And I, all I saw was red. There was nothing else I could comprehend, nothing else I could see or hear. It took me a long time to figure out. There's two people dragging me by the arm, trying to get me out of this building. There's all I could see was red. Finally, when I had calmed down, my wife, or Heather, my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, asked me, she's like, what did you think you were going to do? I replied back, I was going to kill him. <laughs> you know, it's all I could think about. I'm, I'm glad I didn't get a hold of him. Um, but I also don't play any more volleyball uh, because of that. So anger is, anger is something that just takes a hold of us and and just doesn't let go. See, James is quoting from God speaking in Exodus 34. Exodus 34, Moses is sitting here and he is he's begging. God, I want to see you. I want to see you. I, I, I need to see you. And God says, no, you don't understand. If, if you see me, if you're in my physical presence, my presence eradicates sin. You have sin in you. That means you're dead. And so this moment of argument turned into finally God putting him in a cave and God putting his hand over this cave and he walks by and he, and he uses the phrase slow to anger in this. And it's this, it's this um, anger of, of red in the nose. But God beforehand uses this term like compassion and mercy. Sometimes it's translated in your Bible, Nexus 34. It actually means long in the nose. It's, it's the, it's the uh, uh, related, but it's the long in the nose. It takes my nose longer to get red. And God says, I'm long in the nose. I, I, I'm patient. I, I am, I'm one that is willing to take time and to think. Because if you notice, James doesn't say that anger is wrong. James doesn't condemn the idea of anger. He's condemning unchecked anger. <clears throat> Even God in verse 34 of Exodus says, I am slow to be angry. Even God was angry. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard scriptures about <clears throat> stories about Jesus coming into the temple and clearing the temple. And he, there's this picture of him just sitting down and making a whip. Lord, what are you doing? I'm going to go clear the temple. Their anger in and of itself is not the issue. It, it is it is what we do with it. Left unchecked, it is 
blinding. It takes over. <clears throat> Mark Twain was quoted saying, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. See, here's what I've learned about anger over the years. Is that anger comes second. Anger comes second. There's a big discussion. <clears throat> There's a big discussion among the among the um, counseling and the therapeutic world about is is anger a primary or a secondary emotion? And, and you'll find you'll find research all over the gamut. But here is what is true for my life and those that I have counseled and lived life with is that anger comes second. It's always been second. There's something that is felt before. There's something that is experienced before. You know, especially formative in our society and our culture when we saw the planes fly in to the towers on 9-11, anger wasn't the first thing we felt. It was shock. It was dismay. It was a feeling of being vulnerable. How can anyone ever attack the United States like that? Especially in this day and age. You know, it's the same feelings you feel when you've worked on yourself. You have poured into yourself. You know your background. You know the baggage. You know what you have done and what you are trying to, uh, to, to, to clean up. And you're allowing God to work on you and to build this faith. And when someone looks at you and says, I know who you are, but you're just the so-and-so, blah, blah. And they cut you down right at the knees. And the guilt and the shame turn into anger. The shock. The same thing we feel when we watch the cards lose for the 48th time in a year. We figure out why do they have this coach. I love watching Facebook after the cards games. It's awesome. Love it. I'm a UK fan, by the way, if you haven't figured it out. I love Kenny Payne. I think they should keep him around a little longer, but he can only play with the hand he was dealt. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Here's what James is trying to say. Here's what James is really trying to teach us. <clears throat> is that the speed of your anger reflects your spiritual health. It's the speed of your anger that reflects your spiritual health. He's showing, so is God, if you are slow to anger, you are able to understand what it is to take care of the widows and the orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. But when we jump to anger, it's red. There is no other thing you're going to hear, you're not going to taste, feel, or experience. All senses are cut off. And James is trying to help us to understand if we don't have a faith that wants to call our anger into the ring and fight against it, to slow it down, to slow ourselves down, then we will never achieve the spiritual health that God is asking us to achieve. And part of that's on us. Part of that's on God. But a part of that's on us. James is showing that a part of our faith and the offering that we lay in front of God is on us. That being able to be counted as righteous is on us. And it's the speed of our anger that shows our spiritual health. Because anger in and of itself is not 
It's not wrong. But it's when we allow it to dictate what we do. And when we give over that power to our anger is when we make a misstep. So here's one. I want to give you some homework. Wrapping up, I want to give you some homework. The next time you feel angry, right? And by the way, I'm not talking to the hotheads in the room, all right? I'm not talking to the extroverts, right? I'm talking to everyone. We all get angry. The scariest person in the world to me is an, an angered introvert. One, I'm, I'm an uber extrovert. I don't, know how, I don't know how to deal with introverts. And then they're angry and they're even more quiet. And I'm like, they're going to kill me in my sleep. <laughs> when, you're, when you're angry, here's what I want you to do. When you're angry, if you've got a phone, pull out your phone. If you like to write notes, whatever it is. If, when, you're, when you feel angered and you feel like you're getting worked up and angry, just want you to stop and just ask the question, what, how does my body feel? And that's an odd question, right? But what's going on inside of this temple that God's given me? Is my heart racing? Probably will be. Are my fists clenched? Maybe. Are you, are you, are you uh, grinding your teeth? Maybe. Here's an international sign to show that someone is getting worked up toward anger and pushing back, right? This is, I'm closed off. I don't want to talk. I'm upset. I'm bothered. I'm done, right? Are your arms crossed? It's so funny when I'm sitting and talking with someone, I'll, it's actually comfortable to sit that way. I'll, I'll do like this, and then I'll remember, oh, I'm not supposed to be that way. What is, what, is going on in, what is going on in this temple that God has given you? Then the next question is this. What am I feeling first? So what's going on inside of me? How's my body reacting? And then what am I feeling first? So how's my body reacting physical, outside? And then what am I feeling first, internal, inside, right? What does that look like? It's the same yin and yang with James and his word righteousness. There's an outward and an inward. So we have to look at both. How am I outwardly reacting and, 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 and what's going on on the inside? Because sometimes what's going on on the inside can be the most, most acidic thing that we could have, like what Mark Twain was talking about. It's, it's what we think about that person and then what we think about ourselves. So what's going on outside? Am I tapping my feet? Am I turning around and walking away? Am I disengaged and going, uh-huh, 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 rolling my eyes? And then what's going on on the inside? Are, are you scared? Are you embarrassed? Are, are, you, are you bothered by the fact that your boss doesn't see how much you've worked on this and they just thrown it out? What, what's going on on the inside? Because until we get in the ring and we fight with our anger, we will never be able to fulfill the calling that God has placed on us the calling of, toward purity inside, the calling of purity inside and living a life that is holy to God and living a life that looks out for the left out, living a life that wants to run into the diseased areas of our town and to bring hope and light to. Until we call our anger in the ring and we go toe-to-toe -to -toe with ourselves, 
we'll never be able to live out that life that we all want to live. Let's pray. God, you are, you are a gracious, gracious God. You have loved us. You have given us many chances. You, you are teaching us through your scriptures that you're calling us to live uh, an inward and an outward uh, pure life. And Father, the thing that James lays in front of us says is that we've got to go toe-to-toe with our anger. It's, God, it's funny to me that, that, that neither you... James, or anywhere else in Scripture, that there is a gender placed on the term anger, that it is synonymous to everyone, every heart that beats, every child that you've created and allowed to be on this earth, Father, that anger is something that we all have in common and we are all working on it together. So there is no need to feel embarrassed or there's no need to feel awkward because you've just shown us that everyone's got it. So, Father, help us this week when we get angry. What am I? Help us to understand, to look at the cues in our body for when we're getting worked up. Help us to check the things that we're uh, thinking in our head and the feelings that are in our heart. What does that look like? And so we can take our anger, throw it in the ring, and come out with a knockout punch. Father, we beg of the strength of your son Jesus to do all of that. And it's only in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. See you next week.